Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour two of the program, and we're road showing it this week on The Last Lap. I asked I asked our audience uh, top of the hour last segment, hey, if you can tell me where I'm at, I'm behind enemy lines out here in Texas on the road. One of my favorite things to do, and then the reason I did this, you're wondering, why in the world are you driving um, all the way across country? Uh, I wanted to. I didn't have to. I wanted to. And it also allowed me to keep doing the show with the remote, remote equipment we have. I didn't want to take more time off the show and miss more shows because we just haven't been very consistent with the LSU baseball over the last few weeks. So I wanted to make sure we could talk to you every night. But I also just I, I enjoy driving. I don't know wh- why exactly, but it's embedded in my DNA where I enjoy the road about as much as I do anything traveling-wise. Like put me on a two-lane highway somewhere, put me without any GPS, just point me in a direction, and let me go, and I'm there. I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up out in the middle of nowhere in the sticks of rural Washington State when I was really younger. And when I say I grew up out in the middle of nowhere, I really mean out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we were 20 miles away from the nearest town. Uh, that town had 200 people in it. We were about an hour and a half away uh, from Spokane, Washington. So I don't know. I guess maybe I just grew up on the road all the time. I guess that probably is why. I don't know. You'd have to ask my therapist. Uh, But uh, I asked people where I am, and if you could tell me where, I'd give you a shout-out. The first guest we got, we got quite a few guesses uh, coming in on the text line and also my Twitter, at Seth Dunlap. But the first one was the right one. It was incredible. A text from the 504 says, You are in Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, yeah, bingo. That was a great guess. That was the perfect guess and the first one. I can't believe it. It did pin a tail on the map, uh, and he got it. So, yeah, we're doing the show in Wichita Falls, Texas tonight. I uh, tried to stop, uh, and, and almost every town we had, just kind of converse with the locals here. Everybody's really cool. I was wearing some Saints gear, um, and I kind of wanted to see. I did that intentionally because I wanted to see the reaction that I would get when I walk into some of these restaurants and, and convenience stores, and especially you know, here in, in Cowboys country and uh, a little bit of Texans country too. And uh, I never got any bad looks. In fact, uh, I guess just because I'm tall, um, a couple of people said, well, man, do you, do you work for the organization? You kind of look like your official Saints personnel. And I go, no. I could have played it off, though. I should have just told him I was, yeah, my name's Zach Streep, uh, former Saints offensive lineman. I'm just uh, traveling through the country, something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're here today. Uh, it'll be Albuquerque tomorrow, I believe, uh, for the show. A little for Breaking Bad country. I'm going to try to get out there, and maybe we'll post some uh, Breaking Bad picks uh, on on the show this hour we got wilson alexander coming on to the advocates at 9 20 we'll talk lsu baseball regional and it's stony brook to open up on friday plus this anthony davis david griffin meeting that went off today nothing really changed and multiple reports said anthony davis did not change his mind at all about uh, wanting to leave the franchise after the breakfast they had today they will meet over the next couple of days again ollie cosell is going to come on the show of course, editor-in-chief for thebirdrights.com. We'll get into that. Plus, possible Anthony Davis trade destinations. we got Brooklyn and the Clippers both seeming to emerge, not as front runners, but certainly as serious contenders. 
I have a text from 504. I usually try to drive it one day myself. All depends on what time I leave. Uh, talking about the, the same texter says he often, um, he or she often travels to um, Abilene, Texas, and uh, uh, Amarillo, Texas. Uh, pardon me. Another person guessed uh, Abilene, uh, not an Abilene, but uh, this guy apparently drives to Amarillo. Uh, quite a bit. So, yeah, I usually make that drive in one day. Didn't quite uh, earlier today. Let's go to the phone lines, 504-260-1870. And we had the uh, antagonist extraordinaire himself. Uh, before we put him on, uh, I will tell you that the, the this text line um, is available to everybody, and we get it from the previous show, so it just stays up. So sometimes it's very interesting to read the tweets from the previous show when I get on air to kind of see what was happening, what the audience was thinking. Uh, I will say that this man was persona non grata among our audience. Uh, lots of hate coming at Joe. In Dropped off there. I was introducing Joe in Mandeville because when I got on the air today, I was looking at the text line, and lots of hate heading to Joe's way because whatever he said on Sports Talk with Bobby and Christian. And I don't know exactly what he said, but, Joe, uh, what would you do to upset the natives here, man? Hey, I'm here. Well, <laughs> it was Bobby running his mouth about Texas, and I just kind of reminded him that we won another national championship this year, and that didn't sit well with him. What, in, in uh, women's water polo? In men's tennis, and the point I was trying to make is we win <laughs> one every year, and I kind of reminded him when was the last time you won a national championship, and he couldn't tell me, and so it got <laughs> ugly. So. Quick, oh, I don't want to make it ugly, Joe. We always have fun with each other. Right. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Wichita Falls. Somebody guessed it right. Where are you from in Texas? Where am I from in Texas? Beaumont, Houston area. Oh, so I got you. Way okay. down south. Yeah. So yeah. You're I made it to, it to Wichita Falls. Amarillo. You're going to make it to Amarillo tonight. Yeah, well, I'm going to make it past Amarillo. I think I'm going to um, just kind of trek it all the way to Albuquerque. It's like, what, about eight hours, something like that. So, I don't know. Just going to hit the road and kind of see where I go, man. I, I Like I was telling everybody, I, I really love the road. Like, I, I could just get out there and drive and, and almost never get tired. I don't know. I'm weird. I'm weird like that. Careful. All kinds of varmints come out up there in the middle of the night. You'll be on a two-lane <laughs> highway, and all of a sudden you'll see this goat out of the middle of nowhere, <laughs> 70 miles apart. And I'm going to tell you, that is a vast wasteland out there. Oh, no to Amarillo. So uh, just letting you know, be careful out there. No, appreciate so. it, buddy. Uh, yeah, thanks for the call, Joe. Appreciate it. And you're right, it is kind of a vast uh, vast desert, desert wasteland. Here's the truth. When I was, uh, when I was young, I think I was, a, I was a senior in high school. I had my first car. My parents bought it for me. It was an 89 Pontiac Grand Dam. So it was, you know, an old guy's car. An old, really kind of an old gal's car at that point. But, hey, my parents got it for me in high school, and I wasn't going to complain. I mean, I had a car. Come on. They're buying me a car. I'm the cool kid. I got a car. I can drive anywhere I want. Uh, my senior year of high school, speaking of wildlife that jumps out of nowhere, two-lane road, Highway 2 in Washington State, this long stretch of highway that goes kind of through the wheat fields and then into the woods uh, where we lived. And I nailed a deer that jumped out on me. It was a, uh, it was a muley, a little muley deer. And I was going about 60 miles an hour. Uh, I saw it, so I was able to, to slow down slightly, but I'm not talking much. I mean, I mean, barely. I might have slowed down to about 50 miles an hour by the time I just plowed into that thing. And um, totaled my car. I was okay, thank goodness. Nothing really happened. But uh, the deer ran off like it did, probably suffered a, uh, kind of a painful death, I would imagine. 
I've thought about that uh, quite a bit, but yeah, so I've, I've hit wildlife before. It's something I'm always on high alert. Uh, here's the thing with road trips. The, the little veteran uh, of road tripping tip to everybody if you do this. Uh, you think you can Superman it through, and you think, well, I'm kind of tired, but I can make it, especially if you're driving at night. No, unless you're aware enough and aware of your surroundings enough where, like Joe said, you can be aware of wildlife that's going to jump out of nowhere on you, especially if you're going through stretch of road like this, uh, don't do it. And get off and go stay at a hotel. Uh, your car and your car's health and your health will we'll thank you for it. Well, thanks for the kind wishes, Joe. Uh, really appreciate it. Here's a text from the 504 at 870-870. Why are we begging AD? It's Eric Gordon, the sequel, by Good Riddance. I don't think anybody's begging AD, but... David Griffin's doing his due diligence there. We're going to take a break. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate's going to come on into the program. We'll continue to preview LSU's matchup against Stony Brook and the field in the Baton Rouge Baseball Regional that begins this Friday. We'll do that next year on WWL. Christian Garrick's got a great piece up at WWL.com in the LSU section right now. We'll have it more prominently on the site starting tomorrow morning, but Getting to know the LSU Regional, Baton Rouge Regional, he's got capsules of Arizona State, Southern Miss, and Stony Brook there. Of course, it is Stony Brook, the Sea Wolves, that are LSU's first opponent on Friday. And LSU fans here, Stony Brook, they, uh, they get a little antsy, especially after what happened to the Super Regional in, in 2012. But as Christian Garrick lays out, not the same Stony Brook team, the four seed here and. LSU favorites certainly in that game, and they are favorites in this regional. Let's bring on in Wilson Alexander, who covers LSU baseball for the Advocate. He'll be out there this weekend at WH Alexander underscore on Twitter. And be sure you bookmark the Advocate and follow his work every single day, especially as LSU advances here in the postseason. Wilson, what's going on, man? Uh, here we go. A uh, big week for the Tigers. Yeah, I think this one's kind of important, don't you think so? Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, just kind of. Uh, have you heard from all these LSU fans a little antsy about uh, Stony Brook and seeing them the first matchup? A little bit. I mean, it definitely brings back uh, sort of horrible memories for all of them. Um, it was particularly, I think, kind of funny when Stony Brook uh, tweeted back at LSU uh, a gif of Ryan Reynolds and, like, smirking with the caption, <laughs> oh, hey. And I think that got people kind of riled up. Um for for this region on this weekend yeah yeah always a great social media interaction uh usually from these college accounts um all right let's talk about this regional field how do you think lsu matches up not just with stony brook but in arizona state and southern miss also i think they match up pretty well um it, i guess just you know starting with stony brook stony brook is you know won its conference to get in it's it's not i don't think it's a team that uh, that it was in 2012 uh kind of like you mentioned a minute ago um, with Southern Miss, uh, the thing with Southern Miss is it can pitch pretty well. It can hit pretty well. Also, when it's conference, um, but I mean, it was a preseason top 25 team, but they commit so many errors. Um, of the, th I think, 512 runs they've allowed this year, I think 287 have been uh, just earned. So they've, they've committed so many errors, and that's kind of their big Achilles heel. Arizona State's intriguing because they started the year 21 and 0. They've got two guys. Um, who can just absolute rake. And, um, and they both got more than 20 home runs, and right now their names are slipping me. But um, Arizona State is definitely an intriguing guys, team. Yeah. 
Yeah. Connor Bishop's yeah. one of those guys. And and you're right. It's, and that's what we talked about yesterday. I had an Arizona State beat writer on the program and then uh, asked him about that lineup. And he said, yeah, they, they can mash. But uh, a little concern about going uh, over there to the box and uh, not necessarily a, a hugely cavernous ballpark, but one that's not a band box either, Wilson. Yeah, I mean, it plays pretty well for pitchers. It's fairly deep um, throughout the park. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the wind kind of plays into things. If it's blowing in, that definitely doesn't help Arizona State. Um, that's gotten to LSU at times this year because LSU tends to hit the ball in the air so much. Um, and it's also going to be interesting if, you know, even if, if Arizona State and LSU even end up playing each other, just how LSU's pitching does because that's going to, I think, the biggest question mark for LSU this weekend is that starting rotation and, and how they match up against everybody else in the regional. Yeah, Spencer Torkelson, uh, Hunter Bishop, the two big mashers in this lineup. But they've, I got a handful of guys with a nine-plus home runs. Uh, with, with the, and you kind of reference it here with the, with the pitching staff, and we'll get to it. What exactly that's going to look like this week? But with the pitching staff that's been so inconsistent this year, that it seems like a big concern, specifically with Arizona State, when you have these big boppers in that lineup, that things can start to, start to snowball in a regional pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if Arizona State gets hot, I mean, it leads the country in home runs with ninety-two. And if LSU's pitchers aren't on their best game, then Arizona State can get out of this regional as the, as the winner, and LSU's season could be over. Um, so LSU's going to definitely – I think Baseball America ranks this as the toughest regional of the 16. It's going to be tough for LSU to get out of it. Um, I agree with you. It's Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us here, talking a little LSU baseball. What's that rotation going to look like? And I think Paul Maneri a couple of days ago said, you know, Cole Henry is going to try to get three, four innings uh, out of him. Uh, what's that staff going to look like this week? He, now, Paul hasn't, uh, you know, said who's going to pitch on what day yet. That's something that he'll uh, say tomorrow morning uh, during the final availability before the regional. But it's going to be some combination of Eric Walker, Landon Marceau, and Cole Henry. Landon's been uh, pretty darn good down the stretch. He's uh, Look, he's a freshman. He had some struggles in the middle of the season. But uh, he seems to be, um, I don't know, uh, in my mind, maybe the most reliable starter right now. Um, would you agree there uh, for LSU? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, he's had two really great starts, both against Auburn over the last uh, week or so. Um, you know, Auburn's not a great hitting team, but Landon's just completely, you know, cut them up. And the big thing for him is that he's healthy. He There was a stretch during the season, about a six-week stretch, when he only pitched twice. He had a pinch uh, in his shoulder that he was feeling. He had some stuff with his rotator cuff. It was kind of, you know, just he needed to get up back past that. And once he did and was healthy again, you saw the Landon Marceau that LSU was raving about throughout the preseason. And he's definitely been their most reliable guy here down the stretch because uh, Eric Walker has struggled a little bit, especially at the SC tournament and Cole who was their best pitcher during the regular season until he got hurt, um, is still building back his endurance. So when Paul Maneri has been in these spots before in the regionals, when he's had a, a true number one starter, whether that's a guy like you know, Alex Lang or Aaron Nola, he's um, saved them for that uh, game two. Um, I don't know if he has uh, you know, a surefire number one. Maybe it is Marceau right now that he would save for game two. you have any guesses on how um, what he's going to announce tomorrow? My guess would be to go with Marceau in game two, based on like the logic he said that, that he usually saves them for that for that uh that second day, and maybe pitch Eric Walker on um, you know on Friday. He trusts Eric. He knows that Eric can pitch well in big spots and that he doesn't shy away from it. Um, but he couldn't be, but because of that same you know reasoning. He might end up pitching Eric on game two because he's done it before, um, and then you go Marceau in game one. But it's going to be interesting. I don't think you can really go wrong. 
um, because, like you said, they don't really have a clear-cut number one guy. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it was media availability yesterday. They got another one tomorrow, like you referenced. About a minute left here, uh, Walker. How were the players? Were they loose yesterday? Were they ready for this? Oh, for sure. Yeah, they're excited. It was interesting. It was just crazy that like two weeks ago or three weeks ago against Arkansas, they're talking about how dark everything is, and then now they're you know jovial. They're cutting up. They they've found happiness in baseball again, and and you can easily see it. Yeah, you got it. You gotta be happy playing baseball this time of year. Uh, I know it's LSU. There's a lot of stress, but yeah, enjoy this, guys. Uh, Wilson Alexander, who covers LSU baseball for the Advocate at WH Alexander underscore. Follow him. He'll be tweeting throughout the games all weekend long. Wilson, always appreciate it. Enjoy the games, and I hope we're we're talking to you next week for a Super Regional, man. <laughs> Thank you, Seth. Have a great night. All right, you too. And there he goes. LSU and Stony Brook opens it up on Friday. That's preceded by the uh, Arizona State Southern Miss game. That. It's going to be, it's going to be intriguing, and and I do think that Southern Miss is the better matchup for LSU, and Arizona State is the one that scares me. And I've talked to a couple of people; they think they're the the number two seed that has the best chance to advance anywhere in the country. Back after CBS News. So now we got to get into a topic that is. Um, at the top of everybody's mind, Pelicans fans in the city, and that is Anthony Davis meeting with David Griffin today for breakfast out in Los Angeles. They'll continue to meet the next couple of days. No shift in the reports on Anthony Davis's attitude about this, saying that, no, he still wants to leave. I don't think that's really much of a surprise. And also no shift in our audience. If the text line is any indication today, didn't get to them earlier, but we had a slew of texts when we were talking about this in hour number one. Everybody's saying that basically, I'm paraphrasing here, I wouldn't necessarily use this. I'm just telling you what most of the texts said. Uh, get this bum out of here. We don't want him anymore. And, you know, that's I guess that's kind of Louisiana. That's kind of New Orleans, right? You don't like us. You don't want to be here. Then uh, get the heck out. Uh, we'll embrace you if you are here. And we'll embrace you if you become and embrace us and our city and come here and enjoy it. And I know Bobby Aver talks about that a lot. Uh, that we will embrace anybody who embraces us back. But Anthony Davis, uh, for a while he did that, but of course over the last six months he has not. He has not. And whether you consider it petty, petty wars, whatever, yes, we know New Orleans, Louisiana can be a little petty. I'm a little petty myself. I think that's why I fit in here pretty darn well. I've always been a little petty uh, in my life. I, I don't let grudges go. Somebody wrongs me. Usually I remember that for a very long time. I may be uh, slightly easy to forgive. I'm, I'm almost never easy to forget. I don't forget things easier uh, anyway. And I think that's what's happening here with Anthony Davis. And it, it would be it'd be interesting to me to see, because I don't think it's going to happen where Anthony Davis stays. I, I just don't. I don't think that somehow we're going to have a magic finger-snapping hand wave and uh, the next couple of days that those guys meet, that David Griffin uses his powers of persuasion and Anthony Davis is staying in New Orleans. Uh, but I would like to see some kind of alternate reality. I don't know, Black Mirror, Twilight Zone, where we see the two universes play out at once. One with Anthony Davis traded for all the assets, then get back, and whether that's R.J. Barrett or, you know, in my world, maybe it's John Morant, whoever it is, uh, get all these young players and they rebuild around Zion. And the other... Uh, reality where Anthony Davis stays here and they try to build around AD and Zion uh, and Drew Holiday but not just from a basketball perspective that's not why I bring this up that's not why I would be intrigued I'd be intrigued from the fan reaction here and we all know this and I don't and look we can say it about ourselves yeah we're a little petty in New Orleans it's fine it's us it's a fabric if we're gonna have one you know um quality that may not be uh great about us I'm fine with that being petty I really am. Like I said, I'm petty. I'm okay with it. I've accepted it in my life. Um, but 
to see how the fans would embrace Anthony Davis, how quickly that they would forget everything that's gone over the last six months if they would be wearing their Anthony Davis jerseys, standing ovations when he comes back, or if there'd still be chatters and chants and social media nonsense going on about AD. I'd love to watch that play out. I don't think we're actually going to get to see that. Uh, we got a phone call, Logan. Is that what you're saying? Oh, Pierre. Hey, it's our buddy Pierre and Gentilly's on the line. Pierre, welcome into the show. How are you tonight? What's going on, Shed? Long time. No, no, uh, talk to you. I always listen to you, man. Don't, don't always get a chance to call, though. Hey, I know, man. No, I, I know. I see you pop up here. Logan tells me it's you. I know. I'm like, all right, Pierre's calling. But what I wanted to comment on Anthony Davis, um, I don't, you know, you say about the pettiness, but also, <laughs> you know, we're down here. We're not going to kiss you behind either. Yeah, that's kind of what he seems like he wants a little bit. Maybe right. from an organizational, I don't know if he wants that from the fans necessarily. I think he, he seems like he wants that from an organizational perspective. Right, and, you know, we either want, if you want to stay here, we're going to stay here. But either way, if Anthony Davis stays like it goes, we we looking good, you know what I'm saying, as far as an organization. I think so, too. I think so, too. Would you, if you could, you know, snap your fingers, I don't know, wiggle your nose bewitch style and make it happen, would you have him stay or would you have him go? I think I have him go. I mean, I think, I think he just messed up too much. I think, I think, you know, most... I think it'd be better if he leaves. I think most fans, and thanks for the call, Pierre, I think most fans would be right there with you. I think that I am – look, I told you I'm petty. I am. I'm like the city. But I think that, that from an on-court perspective, this organization would be better suited for championship-level success and certainly sooner with Anthony Davis on the roster than with him not on the roster. So um, I would be fine with it. And look, uh, Anthony Davis wouldn't care what uh, fans on social media said because he's not looking at all your tweets. Uh, I'd be the guy, when I have to go and cover him, that he's seen everything that I wrote, uh, that I might draw his scorn a little bit. But I will say that I would take that scorn because uh, everything I think I said and I wrote about Anthony Davis I think is true and within the bounds of covering him from a professional standpoint. I don't think I ever crossed the line there. And, uh, frankly, if he can't see that, then, uh, well, maybe he's petty like I am. But I do think that I would I would say that the, the Pelicans would be better suited with Anthony Davis on the roster. I just don't think it's going to happen. Ollie Cosell, the bird rights, is going to come on the program next. We'll get into this with Ollie here on The Last Lap. Yeah, a little roadshow edition of The Last Lap continues out uh, somewhere in Texas. I feel like coast-to-coast uh, coast AM, uh, somewhere east of the Rockies. This is... George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM, uh, one of my favorite shows, and also what I'm listening to overnight. Uh, let's welcome in Ollie Cosell as we continue to talk Pelicans. We were talking Anthony Davis, David Griffin meeting, and what the future holds for those guys in this franchise. Uh, Ollie's the editor-in-chief of The Bird Rights, and, of course, he's on Twitter at Ollie Cosell. Uh, Ollie, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good, Seth. Thank you. I was going to ask you, what are you doing in Texas? Are you trying to get away from uh, all this Anthony Davis talk? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm escaping. I'm escaping as quick as I can. I'm just driving west, uh, west into the uh, into the sunset. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just taking a little uh, little road trip, doing a little road show, and uh, they let me do it. So it's uh, great. I love the. I don't know if you like it, Ollie. I love the road. Like it's it's I, a lot of people don't like road trips. Don't like hopping in a car and just driving for hours on end. I do. I don't know why. I'm weird. I know that. Uh, I love it, dude. I don't think that's weird at all. Um, I used to like to fly, but then you know. 
the way airlines run their business now, you're going to be stuck next to the two biggest human beings on the planet, and uh, there's going to be delays. And, of course, there's a million people at the airport, so I would rather drive as well, and I love going to visit new places. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And my, I guess my, my mother, when I was growing up, was a flight attendant. So, I mean, I don't know. I've probably been on 10,000 flights in my life, and I'm just kind of over it. You know what I mean? Like, there's something about the car and a hit in the road and heading west in America that's uh, uniquely American to me. Um, speaking of west, of course, out on the west coast in <laughs> L.A., we had uh, David Griffin and Anthony Davis meeting for breakfast. And it sounds like, Ollie, nothing really changed after that meeting today. No, it sure did. Um Initially, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted out a few things and published his article, but then right after that, Shams Charney of The Athletic basically laid what you, I, and a lot of other people kind of expect, and that was, you know, it's unlikely that Davis's stance has changed at all on this trade, regardless of the fact that David Griffin's met with him. Um, again, this is not a surprise to me, but I do find it interesting that it kind of came out right after what Wojnarowski had tweeted, which was, that dialogue was going to continue. You know, he didn't say lean one way really way or the other. And so it kind of left, it gave the impression that maybe Rich Paul and David Griffin were going to keep talking behind the scenes, trying to work out the best case scenario for Anthony Davis. But then, like I said, Shams basically announced that AD still wants out. So kind of reduced a little bit of that leverage. So you're just wondering exactly how things are going between those three parties, Anthony Davis, Rich Paul, and David Griffin. Um, either way, it does sound amicable enough that I expect a deal to be done. The only thing you don't want to hear, Seth, is, is have some kind of list come out again, you know, where it's going to eliminate a lot of potential suitors. I mean, if AD basically says, I see their L.A. or maybe he picks another team, boy, that would really kill his trade value in a hurry. Yeah, and it did surprise me, too, that we heard that they're meeting multiple times and then all of a sudden it's, uh, well, nothing has changed. Um, and is it is it just that? I guess is it just that what you just referenced, that David Griffin knows, uh, may see the writing on the wall here, that AD wants to leave, but he wants to try to ingratiate himself as much to clutch sports and AD so they don't have a leverage play? Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. And one more thing. For sure, this is not about trying to keep uh, Anthony Davis in New Orleans. I think you make one presentation, and you're going to get a vibe. Either he's all in or not. And like I said, with Shams tweeting out, that's not like anything changed. I mean, all you need is a hint that Anthony doesn't want to be in New Orleans. Then it's David Griffin, who sounds like he would move on from him, should move on from him. So I think everything that's going to follow up now is not only going to be making sure that those relationships are strong with Rich Paul because, uh, you know, you want to, first of all, appease Anthony Davis and Rich Paul, but also, you know, Zion Williamson could possibly sign with him. But I think the more important factor to take out of this is I think they're meeting because they're trying to discern what Anthony Davis wants. Where would he play? Would he be willing to sign or, or agree to his player option to give whatever team he goes to at least two years? So I have a feeling it's something more along those lines as to where both parties sat down and they're trying to figure out you know, how to make everybody happy, how the Pelicans get what they want, and Anthony Davis gets what he wants. Talking about the David Griffin and Anthony Davis meetings out in L.A. here with Ollie Coast, all of the bird rights. A mistake that this franchise has made previously under Dell Demps and, and when Mickey Loomis was the president of basketball operations and Tom Benson was the owner was bringing players in that, that didn't want to be here and weren't all in. And David Griffin is opening press conference. And, and when we asked him, he said he only wants players here that want to be here, that, that are going to buy in to this. 
And I guess that is what you're saying there, that if Anthony Davis even has a – gives him a smidge of a hint that he doesn't want to be here, that David Griffin is going to wipe his hands and say, you know what, we're going to build around people who do want to be here. Absolutely. I mean, he talks about culture. He talks about fit. How is any of this possible, let alone you're bringing in, you know, the top draft pick in the 2019 draft, which should be Zion Williamson. You don't want to bring him into any kind of, you know, disruptive locker room where there's some chaos, where the media is kind of unfair. I mean, you want this kid to just solely concentrate on basketball. And as, as a franchise, you're trying to move on from what, you know, essentially was a complete disaster last year. So it's hard to imagine that David Griffin in any way, shape, or scenario would want Anthony Davis to even suit up at the start of next year. I know there's some people floating the idea, hey, we can keep until the next trade deadline. But, you know, Seth, I don't like that plan at all. I don't like that option. I think he's got to take whatever his best deal is going to be this summer. Because we have our future, you know, our future we're, we're looking at is Zion Williamson. It sounds like Drew Holiday's all in. So those are two really good names. And you consider all the assets the Pelicans are likely to get for Anthony Davis. You know, they're going to be able to springboard into their next era, their next edition, real quickly. So you can't have this controversy, let alone when, you know, you can't sacrifice Anthony Davis's value. Seth, nobody's talking about it. And we talked about it all last year. What about if Anthony Davis gets hurt, right? That's another scenario. None of us wanted to see him play last year. Why is it all of a sudden okay to ride him back out there and let it, give it till the trade deadline? I hate that idea. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So the, the trade is eminent here, and I agree with you that it is. Um, rank the contenders for us now. Is it still the big three plus Brooklyn in the, in the Clippers, or is Brooklyn now part of a big four uh, possible destinations? Uh, what, what do those rankings in Ali Cosell's mind look like? I've heard some rumors that when Griff was first coming on board that he really liked Boston and he really liked Brooklyn. Um and then when, you, of course, you look at all the players involved, it's definitely inviting. Griffin wants a young star player back. He wants multiple uh, good role players and future draft assets. And both of those teams offer that. Uh, so I, I do think Brooklyn should be considered, you know, top three, top four now. Lakers are still there simply because I think they got fortunate in, in this uh, draft lottery. And so suddenly their first-round pick has value this year. And, you know, there's talk that, hey, if Lonzo Ball doesn't want to play in New Orleans, he could be flipped for another very good asset. So that's why the Lakers should be there. Clippers are a little bit now moving out of the periphery for me, or they're sitting on the periphery for me, uh, simply because once you look past Shea Gilgis-Alexander, it's hard to kind of get excited about everything else. Would they be willing to give up Shumet Landry, who, you know, he shot lights out from three. So they would essentially have to get their team just to grab Anthony Davis. And you've got to think they would sign another free agent. But, again, with that culture that they built there, it doesn't seem likely that they would sacrifice every single player just to, you know, go grab two uh, promising top ten players in the league. That doesn't seem like the script that they're following. I mean, we saw why Blake Griffin left, Chris Paul. They gave up on all that, all that drama, all that kind of allure and wanted to build a team. So, essentially, they would be doing that over in my mind. So, that's why I think we've got to push maybe the Clippers out. So my top three now is Boston because of Jason Tatum and everything they offer. I think it's still number one in Griffin's eyes. But then Brooklyn and Lakers, depending on what the Lakers can do to entice outside of what they've got on their roster to see what else they can add, they're right up there as well. Uh, Ollie Cosell, the bird rights here on the last lap. Brooklyn deal, what does what a possible return for New Orleans look like? 
okay, the deal would be centered around one or two players, I think. It's either going to involve D'Angelo Russell in a sign-and-trade. Uh, that's going to be the harder option. Got to get him to agree to a sign-and-trade. And then he, you've got to hope that he's going to love coming to uh, New Orleans. I've heard that he's a little bit more of that big market type of mentality, kind of like Ben Simmons or, or one of those other younger guys that just sees the light. Uh, but if you don't go after D'Angelo Russell, then you would have to revolve the deal around uh, Karis LeVert, who I think is an outstanding player. And his, his season last year was derailed from that injury. Um, so it would be Karis LeVert, and then they've got a couple of good other young players you can add. I mean, take your pick, really. You can grab Joe Harris, who is a heck of a marksman from the outside. Jared Allen could be your center, shot-blocking center. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, we've got to get some help there at the point guard position. And I like that. Rodens Kirks, he's a young guy out of Europe that I know Griff is high on. So there's a lot of young guys that could help. And plus they've got some good future assets as well. They've got draft picks to trade as well. A month away from watching this all play out in front of us. NBA Finals start tomorrow, Raptors and the Warriors. Um, how do you think this is going to play out? I, I was thinking, I was saying earlier on the show, Ollie, four or five games. Uh, I think the Raptors might steal one, but I think I'm on the low end of what people think Toronto's capable of in this series. A lot more people uh, high on uh, the Raptors' possibilities than I am. Yeah, we're agreeing again. I don't like their chances at all, Seth. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's probably going to have to turn into Superman. And, you know, we've seen him do it, of course, this playoffs. But I think back to two years ago, what he single-handedly did for the Spurs when in, in what was it, one half of basketball in game one. He led the Spurs to a 20-point halftime lead over the Warriors, and everybody was shocked. I mean, he, he basically, you know, was the bigger star over Durant, Curry, Thompson, and Draymond Green. Yet, of course, he hurts his foot, and that was the end of that run. He is a magical player, and if he's on, I could see Toronto stealing two games. But again, they're going to be able to throw the kitchen sink at him defensively. I mean, Draymond Green, he, he looks fantastic. All season, he didn't look this well, Seth, but last couple of months, he's looked really good, really fit, and, and really committed. So I just think with him down low, you know, protecting the rim, guarding the biggest, toughest uh, uh, offensive options, and then you got Iguodala to help with that as well, and Clay Thompson, and then Steph's been lights out. They don't need Kevin Durant. I think that maybe they would actually play better if he stays on the sidelines, and they'll wrap it up in five games. I'm with you there. Ollie Cosell of the Bird Rides. What's going on uh, with you and your staff over at the Bird Ride? What you got uh, in the pipeline for the fans? Well, we're wrapping up all of our trade series, as we've been talking about. And tonight, we're going to talk about four wild card teams. So we're going to do that on the podcast, and it'll be released tomorrow. But just a few teams that we're looking at is one's going to be Atlanta, one's going to be Philly, you know, maybe Ben Simmons, Phoenix, that's another one. And we're going to even look OKC's way. Is there any way that we could pry Paul George? It's going to be interesting. We'll be checking it out. Ollie, always appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again probably next week. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Seth. Enjoy yep. tech. Ollie Co All right, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I don't know how much longer I'll be here hitting the road right after the show. Ollie Cosell, at Ollie Cosell on Twitter, and, of course, editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. Uh, let's squeeze in George here. He's been on hold for quite a bit. Uh, George in New Orleans East, you wanted to talk a little Pelicans? Hey, I was just wondering, all the talk is about Anthony Davis. But what about Julius Randle? Are they even talking about trying to re-sign him? Because that's who came through clutch for the Pelicans this year. Yeah, it's interesting, and I talked a lot, and that's a great point. That's a great point, George. And I talked a lot about him on my show over the last couple of weeks. It's player option. Uh, I initially, um, you know, when I was talking to some people, thought that you know it was kind of a, 
a sure thing that he would be back. The more I talk to, to sources around Randall and around the team and really across the NBA, um, they're telling me that, that they don't believe that he's going to take that option, that Julius Randle is likely uh, out of New Orleans after this season, uh, mainly because it's unclear if David Griffin sees him as a long-term piece and a foundational piece here in New Orleans. So I've changed my mind on Julius. Uh, again, just about a month or so ago, I thought that it was sure that he was going to be back here. Uh, I don't think that anymore just because of what people are telling me. But I think it's a good question. And that's it's a, certainly a puzzle piece that we'll have to watch and see where it fits in when this offseason comes out. Thanks for the call. Thanks for listening, George. There's a great stuff there. We'll take a break. Back with more of your calls and texts, 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Text lines 870-870. Last lap continues on WWL. Welcome back to the show. We've got two hours in the books. One hour to go. Coming up next hour, Ben Mintz. Mixing it up with Mints up in Shreveport. Also, as a sports better, poker player, and I wanted to get him back on the show. He was on the show for about an hour last week because, of course, he'll have great insights and reaction to the Louisiana State Legislature failing to pass what everybody seems to believe was common sense legislation in legalizing sports betting in the state of Louisiana. I know he's really fired up for that. Plus, we've got a replay of Drew Brees talking to Bobby Hebert and Christian Garrick on Sports Talk. It was a great interview. We'll have that for you at about 10.30 plus sports libs. And we'll continue to preview an NBA Finals matchup between the Raptors and the, the Golden State Warriors. We have a, an update here on the Stanley Cup Finals between the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. They're tied at two apiece, two goals apiece, end of regulation. So they're headed into overtime. We'll keep you updated on that overtime when we come back. One more hour to go here on The Last Lap. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.